Every day, many of us will read newspaper and magazine articles broadly commenting on the global economy and global development. Globalization describes our modern world. The rapidity of information sharing and groundbreaking advances in technology bring humanity closer, yielding possibilities we would have never dreamed of only a few decades ago. It was at this very podium in 1917 that Sir Alexander Graham Bell reflected upon his little invention called the telephone and the impact that it has already had at that time on the world. Intelligent cities recognize a community for more than its economy and its services, but rather as a living, vibrant com contributor to the global economy. Communities are where we live. It's where we learn. Communities on their own are unique and culturally important, but an intelligent community is a city that collaborates effectively with the world outside while embracing change and technology. Intelligent communities empower its citizens to adapt to the rapidly changing landscape of our planet. To introduce our guests today, we have a CEO of a company that is doing just that. To many communities across Canada, I just learned that he's in Terrago Networks is in 45 communities across the country. Terrago is a leader in connecting people to technology, to, to each other, and to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, to introduce our guest today, please welcome Mr. Brian Boyd, CEO of Terrago Networks. Thanks very much, Noble. As, uh, as you know, I'm Brian Boyd. I'm the CEO of Terrago Networks, and we are deeply invested in the notion of intelligent communities. Our specific area of focus is to help the businesses in these communities be competitive so that they, in turn, can be competitive on a world scale and help to grow and scale their businesses. It is my privilege to introduce the panel for this afternoon, which I think is going to engage in a very thought-provoking and powerful discussion on the topic of intelligent communities. And we've got some people that are truly at the forefront of, of this particular topic. Mayor Brenda Halloran from Kitchener-Waterloo. As we all know, it's a hotbed of technology and it's also a hotbed of the education of the people who are going to move technology in the future to the next level. Mayor Dan Matheson comes from Stratford. If you've not had the chance to see what they're doing in Stratford, I have. Everyone should go to Stratford and see what these people are doing to make their community competitive and at the forefront of an intelligent community. And last but certainly not least, John Young, who is the chairman and the co-founder of the global think tank called Intelligent Community Forum. And I'm now going to turn it over to John, who's going to give us some opening remarks. President and uh, members of the Empire Club of Canada. Uh, thank you very much for inviting us here. Uh, Graham Bell, wow, what, uh, what an introduction. I'm here representing the Intelligent Community Forum. As you heard, we're a global think tank headquartered in New York City, but before I go into my overview, it should have been headquartered here in Toronto. I'll tell you why. September 1995, Toronto, Weston Harbor Hotel, first smart conference 
in the world. We had an opportunity to actually have the Intelligent Community Forum headquartered here, housed here. And, in fact, we're now having this conversation about having something like that moving forward in this community. We'd like to also hold the 20th anniversary of the Intelligent Community Forum's event here in Toronto. So we'll be uh, talking about that with our colleagues from uh, Waterfront Toronto and from uh, iCanada and many others. So we look forward to some of you participating in that. Now, what do we do? At the Intelligent Community Forum, uh, we study the economic and the social development of the 21st century economy and the communities that make that, uh, that, that up. It recognizes that smart urban planning is all about improving quality of life by building prosperous, inclusive, and sustainable economies. It believes that technology is essential, but is merely a means to that end. ICF promotes a series of criteria, which we'll talk about today, and it talks about sharing best practices all around the world. And we have two pioneers with us here and their communities that do share that information globally and inspire others to want to be very much like what their communities are about. And the reason why we're here today talking about this very important subject is because a smart community is happening somewhere in the world today, every day. I just came from Taipei last night. There are a dozen smart communities happening in Taiwan. There are 200 smart communities on the drawing boards for China. And I was told yesterday, maybe as many as 600 to 800. Uh, we know of, Mayor and I were in India just recently. We know of communities there, dozens of them that are about to embark on becoming smart cities. We know that they are happening in South America, the rest of North America, Europe, even in Africa. But there's a difference between a smart community and an intelligent community. But I'd like to say there's also a thing called dumb communities. I don't think there really are any dumb communities, just that they're not aware yet. Uh, but uh, having said that, it's pretty easy to change from being a dumb city to a smart city. Easy way to do that is I can give you a phone number and you can contact one of the vendors and they'd be happy to sell you a smart city in a box. Now, I don't mean that to be uh, disparaging. It's all about scale. Communities do it all the time. We have CIOs and city engineers coming up with a strategic plan of putting infrastructure, very important infrastructure, including high-speed broadband now, in their communities. But some communities just stop at that. Smart cities and advertise the fact that they have all this infrastructure. Why? Because of efficiencies, cost savings, setting priorities. They're able now to be very productive. Being productive is fantastic. It's a great civic goal. But I think intelligent communities go beyond that, looking at it much more holistically and trying to ensure that we put people into that equation. And people are very important as part of this. And unfortunately, sometimes these smart city uh, activities forget about people and the issue of quality of life. The two mayors that we're going to speak with here today and also here in Toronto, because you have John Campbell working on the intelligent community waterfront, and we have uh, Barry Gander from iCanada, who are going to be talking uh, 
with you, if you'd like, afterwards about what they're doing across Canada to promote intelligent communities. But uh, we have a set of goals at the Intelligent Community Forum to advance this idea of intelligent cities around the world. We have 120 cities that we work with right now, 19 here in Canada, and we hope many more to come. We announce 21 cities now every year, and we hope many of them are, in fact, uh, from, from Canada and from uh, Ontario. Uh, we are looking forward to uh, hearing from these two mayors about their journey and uh, also uh, perhaps might get a moment uh, at the end to have some Q&A around uh, opportunities for you and your communities uh, to become intelligent cities, smart cities, and intelligent communities as a whole. So can I ask uh, Mayor Halloran to start and give a few minutes to talk about your journey to becoming an intelligent community? Am I speaking from here? Just, are we okay with that? Good afternoon, uh, Mr. President, members of the, the Empire Club. I, I must tell you, this is one of the bucket list moments of my life. And um, I've always dreamed of being here. And there's this mystique about the Empire Club. So now I can tell people it's a pretty great place. And uh, wonderful people are here. So thank you so much for inviting me and being interested in this topic, which is something very near and dear to my heart, but something that I live and breathe every day. In 2006, the city of Waterloo embarked on uh, applying to become an, uh, recognized as an intelligent community. And what happened at that time was that the leaders of the community got together and created a, a very strong committee. And those leaders were David Johnston, who is now our Governor General, Jim Balsillie, who we all know was, was part of, of uh, RIM, and all community players as well as the mayor at that time. I wasn't the mayor at the time. And we did a community audit. We looked all throughout our community at what, what was it in Waterloo that was intelligent, what needed to be highlighted, and what did we need to change, and what did we need to focus on. So in 2006, we became one of the top seven. In 2007, the committee banded together again and said, we're going to win this time. And another community audit was done. More work was done. More companies were brought on board, more nonprofit agencies. The community really got behind this, this idea of becoming an intelligent community. And Waterloo is, is kind of geared that way with our universities, our, our strong academic sector, our, our really exciting uh, high-tech sector. And in 2007, we made the top seven. And I'll never forget the moment when they announced that the city of Waterloo was the intelligent community for 2007. And I know John was there, and he's, he's very proud. And um, there's a whole group of us from Waterloo. And in Waterloo, we're kind of an interesting group. We're, we're still talked about as being the only, the only city that hugged each other, and we hugged everybody because when they announced our names, we jumped up, started hugging, and hugged everybody in the room. And I think we've created that. It's, an, uh, it's not an urban legend. We did all of that. But it embarked us upon a journey that has not ended. So in 2007, we came back from New York, and we were inspired, and we were determined, and we haven't lost that, that dream, that vision of continuing on our journey as an intelligent community. What does that mean? For me as mayor, it means that we are always looking to uh, a future vision to setting high goals, to pushing ourselves further. And there's this wonderful competitiveness about what are some, some other communities doing? What are they doing in China, in India, in Taiwan, and in Europe, the, the cities that we know and meet? And it's pulled mayors and communities together globally, and we share information, we help each other out, because that's what intelligent communities do. We take care of our citizens, we work hard in our communities, we look at how can technology change the lives of people and improve the quality of life. And that's what we're doing in Waterloo 
Waterloo, and, and it's still exciting to me to be able to talk about this in 2013. And uh, we're not finished yet. We have a long way to go. Likewise, uh, Mayor Matheson. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. President, members of the Empire Club. It's a privilege for me to join you today. Uh, the city of Stratford, for many of you that don't know, is a city of 32,000 uh, people rested in Perth County, the largest productive agricultural county in the country. So if you can picture the thought of pork, dairy farms surrounding a beautiful community that has a Shakespeare theater in its 61st year, uh, cultural icon of not only Canada but the world, you have the dichotomy of what is Stratford. It is coming together of industry and arts. Stratford, through the lens of our strategic plan, struck to be a community of excellence with worldwide impact. And we decided very early on through the deregulation of our hydro assets, a hydroelectric company, that we would not only retain our assets, we'd buy the assets of other communities. And we did that as a strategic way of knowing that in the future, uh, from a community visioning standpoint, that access to hydroelectric power and broadband connectivity are going to be strategic key pieces in the economic and social development of communities going forward. And in doing so, Stratford laid uh, some 70 kilometers of fiber around our city to create a spine and root nodes that would service not only our industry, but also our government services and needs for our community to be connected. When you put that lens of community excellence and worldwide impact and embracing information communications and technology, we started to look at a lot of the decisions we made as a civic government through that lens. And to that end, we entered into an agreement with, of course, David Johnston, then the University of Waterloo president, uh, and now the Governor General, we entered into an agreement to create the University of Waterloo Stratford campus around the faculty of digital media being housed in Stratford. Digitizing assets and looking at culture, all the things that you have today in your world that will be online in the future. And creating that faculty at one of the greatest universities in the world for technology being housed within our community. That linkage to the Waterloo region was the first of one of the many planks that we started to do. We then, of course, through the smart meter uh, province initiative, uh, we decided that we needed to move forward. Many communities have decided that they wanted to put their smart meters on through 900 megahertz radio, which was yesterday's technology, cellular technology, which is today's, or we decided to build a ubiquitous Wi-Fi network over the community of Stratford. We have Wi-Fi covering the entire city of Stratford. And we did that because we understand that social and economic development not only for those and the underprivileged and low-income families need to be able to get online, but our businesses needed to. And we've created this whole impact of making sure that our culture, our heritage, and our community development is based on the dynamics of, of course, broadband connectivity. We've been fortunate in 2011, 12, and 13. We've been named as one of the top seven communities in the world by the Intelligent Community Forum. We've competed against communities such as Chongqing, China at 32 million, and we believe that we have the scalability and ability through the vision that we've created, but also in the execution of making sure the lens is in place on all our civic decisions, whether it be on planning, whether it be on infrastructure, or whether it be on community services, that we look at it in how technology can either improve the efficiency, improve the reach, or add to the quality of life of our visitors and our residents. To that end, we have many interesting developments. We are, by the end of this year, going to have our uh, city bus network completely Wi-Fi enabled, but the demographics of people coming on with their bus pass and swiping it will then tell us who's on the bus and what are the demographics and what ads should actually be placed on those, those buses, allowing us to understand how data will not only contribute revenue to the city, 
but also move ourselves forward. And that's just one initiative that we are looking at and executing in Stratford. And that is really what communities need to do in the future, is understand the connectivity, the social, community, and economic development as it drives quality of life and, of course, revenue, and we move forward. And that is, just in brief, a short little idea of what Stratford is doing that differentiates itself from many others. Well, certainly the um, benefits to your citizens are immense. Uh, what I'd like to do is jump to a question uh, that uh, many people today might be wondering about, and that is, you know, the Waterloo ecosystem, for instance. Let's start with Waterloo. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what's unique about it and uh, how you're able to evolve the innovation and attract talent and attract investment to the community? You know, Waterloo is quite a unique place in many ways, and I've learned as a mayor... Um, that it is, it's simply that. Because I've assumed that most communities are collaborative, there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit there, that people want to work together and be innovative. And I've learned that uh, our community is quite um, unique in that sense. And it's, it's so wonderful for us, and it's created us to be um, known for our innovation and to be entrepreneurial. And that, that spirit just exists throughout the community. And it starts with our universities. We have University of Waterloo and their IP uh, policy, their intellectual policy, our intellectual property policy. So this started way back in the 60s. And, and we, we almost um, equate our success to, to that visionary um, policy that was created. So that when somebody graduates from university or is part of UW, like Mike Lazaridis, and you've invented something, you get to keep it and you get to, to um, keep the, the money that it creates so it doesn't go back to the university. So that has really encouraged generation after generation of graduates from University of Waterloo to stay in the community because they can keep their IP, they can, can create uh, companies out of it, and they can thrive in our community. So that's been a real major boon for our community. But because of the technology is coming out of the universities, it's attracting technology globally. So we have institutions like the Accelerator Center that is at our research and technology park. We do a lot of partnerships between different levels of government and the community leaders themselves. So the city of Waterloo, the provincial government, the federal government and the University of Waterloo partnered together to create our, our large research and technology park, where we now have the Accelerator Center, which is a center for, for incubator. It's an incubator center for startups. And we have our angel networks here, and I, I want to acknowledge G10. Rob Douglas is here. And um, we, we're very fortunate to have investors coming to our community under his guidance and leadership, and they're embraced and, and really... Um, we want investors there with us. So there's, there's so many things that have just been kind of uh, coming together for us for many, many years. And it, to me, it just boils down to it's the right people at the right time in the right place. Because you can't be successful without people with a vision and a dream and this, this let's do it attitude. And in Waterloo, we always say, you know, what's in the water in Waterloo? That's what David Johnson used to say about, about us. And the water is the people and the dreams and the visions and the determination. And it seems that we're very competitive, so if one company is doing well, somebody's going to say, you know what, I can do better, or I can team up with them, or I can collaborate with them. And at, at meetings that we have or community events, it's, it's always this wonderful networking time. People are constantly networking and saying, you should meet so-and-so, you should be together. And I love my job because I get to pull people together and say, I just talked to, to you, you need to meet this person, and this person will help you. So we, we band together, we have a, a strong sense of community pride, not only in the city, but in the region. We want to be the best, we're an intelligent community, but we have to work together, and that's what we do very well. So likewise, uh, Mayor Matheson, you... Um 
you have partnerships that have grown in your community. And one of the uh, comments that you've made is that you have a true triple helix. Um, in the context of another comment that you've made is uh, you have to be a smart city in order to become an intelligent community. Can you talk a little bit about how you've grown from being just seen as a smart city to actually becoming an intelligent community? Sure. I think it's safe to say that for many people that don't understand what smart city or intelligent communities mean, they think it's being able to say we have Wi-Fi coverage or we have Internet access or you can get up and down bandwidth of X. But what we've decided to do in Stratford is make sure that not only do we have that, but we actually use it to some net benefit. And in doing so, we've created what we call the Living Lab over Stratford. So the Living Lab is actually our fiber root nodes and our Wi-Fi coverage. We've gone out to companies around the world and offered them the opportunity to come out and test their products within our city. Uh, no matter what it is, we've allowed them the opportunity to do it. And we do so so that we can actually find out whether or not they're going to work or not. And we allow ourselves to ride on with them so we get a concept of what's going on. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So Toshiba uh, Lighting and Technology out of Tokyo have LED lights. Now, every city's got LED lights. That's really exciting. Not really, but we'll get past it. But So they have LED lights. But actually, Toshiba has now developed LED lights that are all IP addressable. Each one of those is actually a router that can take a Wi-Fi signal across and help create your Wi-Fi network. They're actually IP addressable so that if the police need to dim down or dim up uh, those lights, they can. They have photovoltaic sensors on them that sense the amount of ambient light that's coming off a harvest moon like last night and would actually dim those LEDs that they only use 60% instead of the full 100. So they further drive more energy efficiency. We've allowed them to test those in Stratford. And the opportunity is that now when we're actually going to deploy 13,000 new streetlights, we actually will get a, a discounted rate to do so. And we've actually been able to prove out the latest technology in doing so, so we're sure of what's going to work within our system. Another example uh, that I like to use is that we, we look at Leonovus. We talk about now technology and TV coming over the top, being able to go online and look at any program that you want to watch as opposed to take it from cable providers or satellite. So Leonovus TV out of Ottawa and Palo Alto, California, came to Stratford. They've been there now three years. They're on their third phase of a beta test. And what they've done is they've taken a set-top box that we put on our Wi-Fi network, and it basically turns your typical home TV into a computer, which allows you to go to the Internet, find the latest technology, or the latest program, I should say, and watch it in real time, whatever you want to do. Now, the real interesting part of that is that their technology is that they're, when you're not using that, they're using what they call a dispersed data center. They're using that CPU unit, CPU unit within that TV box to actually process non-critical data for companies around the world. They send it out, they use it, and they give it back. Their plan is, and they're actually through us in, the, in Waterloo, they're actually deploying into a hotel in Waterloo to do all 200 rooms to further test this out even further to show it works. And in the future, they'll give you one of these boxes. You'll supply the power for the month, which is pennies because they're energy efficient. You won't actually need to pay for your access to the TV, and they'll actually have a dispersed data center of non-critical data running around the world, helping companies do that, and it will go up through the cloud. And they've been testing that out in Stratford for three years. We've actually gained options, because they're a publicly traded company, for our data utility, so if they prove out this technology, we can strike at a certain price, and the revenue generated for being part of that beta test comes back to our community to either offset further investments in technology, to offset tax, uh, tax needed revenue, 
or to go into capital reserves for other initiatives. And those are some of the ways that a smart community becomes an intelligent community. So, Mayor Halloran, uh, Waterloo's history is uh, really something unique. It's, it's one of these that's filled with entrepreneurs, uh, innovation, leadership, and, and this other concept called collaboration that's been referred to. Uh, but this transformation has uh, evolved, and actually people have thrived in this transformation. I'm going to talk a little bit about the big elephant in the room here. Uh, some of you would be very unhappy if I didn't ask. But BlackBerry is going through its own transformation. Uh, there are a lot of rumors out there. Uh, but uh, talk a little bit about the kind of community, the ecosystem, again, that, that uh, your community is all about. You're 120,000 population in the regions, a little over half a million. Uh, how is this impacting in the community, and, and how do you see uh, it evolving over the next several years? Well, thank you for that, because right now, everywhere I go, it is the elephant in the room for me. And I am very proud of BlackBerry, and I'm a, a Canadian who is proud of BlackBerry, and I think we all should be. This is one of our biggest Canadian tech giants who have put Canada on the map. And they're going through a, a, their own transformation, their own reorganization, and they're out there fighting globally for their position in, in the tech market. And we all know that, and we're all aware of it. BlackBerry has evolved out of Waterloo. They are not the only thing in Waterloo. And I think that um, outside of our community, people think, well, BlackBerry, Waterloo's just BlackBerry. And BlackBerry's just one of the large corporations and tech giants who have come out of our community. You look at OpenText, Dalsa, Agfa, um, I'm just you know, going through my head of all the companies that are there. And BlackBerry is, is a strong corporate citizen have been incredibly generous to our community. Through the philanthropic donations of Mike Lazaridis, we've got the Perimeter Institute, which is, we have Stephen Hawking coming to visit us on, on uh, uh, every summer. We have, through Jim Balsillie, the, the Center for International Governance Innovation and the Balsillie School of International Affairs. Their donations to our community have been just breathtaking. And I want to always thank them and always acknowledge them as great Canadians and people who give back to the community. Michael Lazaridis is a true Canadian hero, and he was the inventor of the smartphone. And, you know, I've been in, in groups where they, all they talk about as well, you know, Apple and Steve Jobs, and I've actually said, wait a minute, what about Mike Lazaridis? He's a Canadian. We should be celebrating Canadian technology and supporting Mike. So I, I, um, I'm a mayor, and I'm proud. Of, of BlackBerry. I'm proud of all the corporations in our community. So BlackBerry is going through, uh, from what we understand, phase two. There are a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation, but our community has been going through this transition with BlackBerry over the past year. And as they're releasing uh, employees, they are being reabsorbed by our community because we have such a thriving tech sector. And through Communitech, we have job fairs set up. The city is, is involved in helping people become uh, relocated, finding new opportunities. But the community is really pulling together. And we see the, the, the tech community has seen this as opportunities to get their hands on talented, skilled people who, who they've been waiting for. And we currently have over 1,000 jobs open in the, the tech sector. So as what we're finding as, as RIM is transitioning employees, they're basically walking across the street and companies are thrilled. They're, they're creating startups. They're, they're filling voids in companies of, of um, tech leadership and, and the talent that they bring to our community. So, it, you know, it's interesting for us because we're, we're just going, we're fine. We're, we're doing really well, but the rest of the world's kind of, kind of saying, what's going to happen, you guys? 
and um, we're okay. We're doing fine. And we look at Communitech, which is one of our, um, it's a nonprofit agency that uh, helps promote tech sectors and, again, bring investment in and work together. And we're having one and two startups a day happening in our community, and we're, we're seeing a lot of big um, big advances happening throughout our community. So Waterloo's tech, but we're also manufacturing, automotive. The academic sector is, is very, very strong and resilient. We have the uh, insurance sector, the financial institutions. So as John says, we're very resilient, and we've been changing and evolving and growing, and we're going through it right now. The city's just growing. Uh, there's, there's um, uh, you know, uh, we're seeing growth continually throughout the community. The universities are expanding. There's a lot of money being uh, invested in big buildings. So uh, it's an exciting time for Waterloo, and, and uh, we're supportive of RIM, and we're behind them, and our Blackberries, sorry. And uh, it, uh, we're going to do well, and, and we'll continue to do well, and I'm very proud of where we're at. Uh, just before I go back to Dan, uh, can you talk a little bit about what this new idea of Canada's Tech for Food is all about? No. That's me. That's you. Oh, sorry. I was looking at Dan. Yeah, so as part of our, our evolution as a community, we're always looking to diversify our local economy. And something that we have started up, in, and uh, it's called Canada's Technology for Food. And it started because I was at a business meeting with uh, Willie Huber, who's the president of Pillars of Meat. Does everybody know Pillars? If you're coming for Oktoberfest, you have to have a Pillar sausage. Who's coming for Oktoberfest? Down I knew I'd have a team coming down. You've got to come. It's fantastic. So Mr. Huber and I were talking, and he said, you know, Brenda, we have an opportunity to change our future. And he said, I have to go to Germany to, to get employees and to, to buy equipment, and I should be doing that here in our, our community. So we talked about it, and we said, yeah, it's time. So we're creating the first ever food technology hub in North America, and we think it might be one of the first in the world. And we're going to be combining uh, technology through the universities and Conestoga College, University of Guelph. We've, we've done a lot of work. We've got a lot of partners. And with, with um, the technology sector and food processing and food safety and security, huge opportunities for us. We've got projects on the ground going now. And it's, uh, it's going to be our next, next uh, evolution into diversifying our economy. And we're the breadbasket of Ontario here. And we, our food processors are, are, have pretty well left most of Ontario, if not Canada. We're going to pull them back. We're going to start up jobs, and we're going to focus now on food. Because you know what? We all need to eat. <laughs> so, Mayor Matheson, uh, your community has been lauded as being one of the most uh, energetic, uh, pioneering, uh, smaller communities. I wouldn't call it rural, but you know, there's a whole rural intelligent community movement as well. Uh, what I'm interested in is, uh, how are you going to differentiate yourself from the big boys? You've talked about Chongqing, uh, you've talked about all of these others uh, around the world, but as small communities, how do you uh, work on becoming a uh, small but very important intelligent community to attract investment and talent? One of them, I think, or one of the main reasons and that we need to do it is because we've seen an erosion of the number of people that live in small urban and rural centers across not only Canada, but around the world. And we keep seeing the urbanization where people are moving in. But as they get into the cities, they also yearn for the days they had a higher quality of life, uh, less congestion, easier uh, mode of transportation. So we've tried to develop more of a, a thought process around being in a community that allows you the quality of life, the ability to raise your kids in a very safe and enjoyable community, access, though, to the amenities you could get anywhere else. In Stratford, you know, we've started to play on things such as the world-famous uh, chef school we have. Uh, Forty uh, new chefs are churned out a year out of this uh, chef school. 
We have the Stratford Shakespeare Theater. We've worked at not only access to broadband, but also an accelerator center that we've duplicated what Waterloo's done. We started to work with the rural centers around Stratford, making sure that they have the opportunity to lay broadband into their community. We've made sure that we've allowed things uh, to go on in our community, like voting. In 2010, we're the only community in Canada to ever have their election completely online. There wasn't one paper ballot. It was completely online. You could do it over a two-week period. If you're one of those people that really felt you had to go to a building on election day to vote, you could go to a community center, go in there and use the computer, but that's how you voted. And that is one of the ways that we did it. We received just shy of 50% turnout in our civic election, which is important. It's, it's For us, that's not a, a great leap forward, but it's moving us in the right direction. For other communities across the country, they could do so. So we're trying to get civic engagement. And we're allowing people to make sure that no matter what sector they come from, what income level, that they all have access to be part of developing an intelligent community. We've seen our agricultural neighbors around Stratford. As I said, they have some of the most predominant and productive agricultural land in the country. We've seen them now turning to technology and using it. Uh, this week, the international plowing match is just west of Stratford, but we've seen demonstrations of robotic milking where cows come in that are computer chipped in their ear. They automatically milk that cow for the exact precise amount of time by way of robot. They release it back to its stall, and the feed that's mixed that goes into its trough is actually a medicated feed that is required for that specific cow. We've seen robotic uh, tractors planting corn this past week using technology and GPS where they've actually scaped out the field, and they don't actually have anybody in them, and it knows exactly what to put in how many seeds per acre, or, uh, seeds per foot, and it keeps track of it, and it keeps track of the yield. And those are some of the technologies that are coming out to the rural areas that we're actually seeing across our area, but of course spreading across this country, that are allowing people to stay in productive, small urban communities and rural settings that are allowing them to feel part of the intelligent community uh, movement. And lastly, I would say that uh, one of the things that I most get excited about is that we're scalable. I can make a decision this afternoon with our, our city council. We can come together with our hydro board. We can make decisions that are effective, effective and efficient and get on with getting it implemented. We're not one of these larger centers that to navel gaze forever and get into too long a discussion around execution. We just get right to implementation. And I think that's what defines many communities today is the time it takes to do those things can't be in months. They have to be in weeks now because the global economy makes us all very competitive. We have manufacturers that do uh, car parts within our community that are linked to Toyota and Honda's quality control centers. They know exactly what part rolled off that plant or off that assembly line. They know exactly because it's barcoded, it's GPS in that truck, and it's gone. We have knowledge workers on factory fours. We have knowledge workers in shops downtown. We have knowledge workers in the theater now. And that is really going to define our community because we want to get our digital literacy up and let everybody know that no matter what walk of life you take a career in, you are going to be a knowledge worker in the future. There will be automation and technology in everything we do, and we've developed it as a theory in our community, but we're actually putting it into practice in education and actually in implementation. So uh, intelligent communities are also ones that have an attitude, as you can tell. Uh, and I think that's great, very agile. Uh, before I go to uh, uh, asking uh, anybody in the audience if they have a question, uh, Toronto is also an intelligent community and has been recognized 
And uh, the, the group that's been leading that charge is uh, uh, Waterfront Toronto. John Campbell's here. John, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing on the, on, on, on the waterfront to be an intelligent community? I, I admire uh, Dan because it, uh, that size provides a great nimbleness, which, uh, which is enviable. I guess what we're doing in Waterfront Toronto, we're really starting with the infrastructure, putting in a very high-speed, ultra-broadband infrastructure for the waterfront, and everyone will be hooked up as part of the arrangements. Uh, and we also announced yesterday, uh, the next level, basically our partnership with Element Blue, who are a IBM supplier, and IBM Canada, to put in our portal, which becomes the operating system really for the community. The next step then becomes to look at the applications that Dan's talked about, and so far as making it intelligent. So we went on a, a nine-year path to do this. So unfortunately, we're not quite as nimble as uh, Stratford, but it started back in the Intelligent Community Forum in 2004, in June. And I recall John saying, it's 5% pipes and 95% content. So we've got the plumbing in, and now we're working on all that 95% applications to make sure that we can look at e-government, e-health, and make sure that all the people that live and, and play in, in the waterfront and work there have a chance to become uh, knowledge workers. So uh, that's kind of where we are as part of the process. Thanks, John. And uh, uh, Barry Gander is trying to create more across Canada. Do you want to just say something quickly about uh, iCanada? Yes, uh, we started iCanada uh, from the example of that waterfront. Some people call it plagiarism, we call it borrowing and pride. But what we're doing is taking the model that John uh, had and bringing all the members of the community together to do that in the region from the cities across Canada. And we're working from Halifax to Vancouver to put that in place and say Toronto is the benchmark we have to match this. Everybody hates Toronto to start with. <laughs> Thank you. Are there any questions from the audience? Uh, we have a mic uh, that'll roam around. Yes, sir. Yes, I don't have the mic. There it is. Thank you very much. Uh, just wanted to expand a bit more on how cities can work with the private sector, public-private partnerships. If it's a road that needs to be rebuilt or something, it is a very good system. Here's the project. Everybody bids and you have tenders. That doesn't really work so well when there are private companies that have solutions or new technologies. How do you get over the traditional procurement uh, issues to advance and adopt uh, these kind of solutions and opportunities uh, uh, at the municipal level? So I'll give you an example. When Motorola, when we wanted to build our ubiquitous Wi-Fi coverage over the city, we went out to the market and found partners who were willing to partner with us. And we found that Motorola had never had a cold climate deployment of the RADO 211N network, which is, a, which is really the, the new uh, Wi-Fi network for today. They'd never had a cold climate deployment. They've done lots of cold climate testing. We had worked through our procurement policy allows us when we can de demonstrate net benefit to the taxpayer, not just in dollars spent, but in actual intellectual property and such. We actually were able to go through that whole deployment through our utility and not have to tender it. We, well... Political appointment, uh, political opponents will attack you for anything. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, the other companies had the opportunity to come to the table and offer a similar net benefit to the community, and they wouldn't step up and do it. So to that end, we went with Motorola. It moved on. Since then, we're looking at doing possibly the same with Toshiba. They've come into Stratford. They've spent significant amount of time on research, technical staff on the ground, testing these lights out, and at the end of the day, we'll probably buy them at about 50 to 55 percent 
of what they would sell on the open market as a net benefit for allowing them to prove out and document the Stratford business case, which they, you know, which has an even better benefit for us, which when they go to sell around the world, they take the Stratford business case with them, and we get the net marketing benefit as an intelligent community taking around the world. And that's what's got us from everywhere from Amsterdam last week to New Zealand and Australia earlier this year talking about our community. We can't buy the publicity we get by partnering with our private sector partners, and it's worked out to be a net benefit only in co- not only in cost savings, but in marketing of our community as well. That's a really good question, too. For cities of, of, of a larger size, we are hampered by ourselves. You know, sometimes it just drives us all crazy because we get in the way of progress. But that's the system that we have to live by as cities and the legislation that we have. But we now have started Canada's technology for food, so we've kind of gotten ourselves away from ourselves, if you know what I mean. And we've set up a $200,000 fund to start up this, this uh, nonprofit entity, which is, is now uh, we're looking for partners within the private sector and, and we're working with industry and we're, we're going to be blending that together and it's, it's going a lot smoother when you don't have to put RFPs and RFIs and all of that. So um, there are ways to get around it, but it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. Does that satisfy you, Mr. Steiner? Okay. Uh, one last question. In, uh, in terms of your communities, uh, the word collaboration uh, has come up. Um, cooperation is, you know, ha- it has a finite beginning and end in some cases. However, collaboration is a, a construct around trust. And uh, how, how does that work in your communities? Uh, do, you, do you build up your partnerships around that? Brenda? Very much so. We, we rely on each other within, our, within the Waterloo and Waterloo region because we, we are all very determined that we're going to succeed. And there's there, you know, through Communitech, through the Accelerator Center, through the Chamber of Commerce, through all the various agencies that have been set up, there, there again, it's, we're, we're small. We're, we're nimble and we're small, but we're still a, a growing community. So we know each other very well, and we know how to uh, work the networks and trust each other. And, and again, there's, there's this, this inherent DNA in our community to collaborate. And I look at it maybe historically because we, we were raised, you know, it's a Mennonite community, and we talk about being barn raisers. And, but we've had strong community leaders through the past who have shown that leadership. And it's interesting because we're going through a transition now. All communities are. Everybody is. Because the new uh, industrial barons of the old days are now our high-tech young people. So in our community, we have, we have young people who are millionaires and billionaires and you wouldn't know it, they're like 26 years old and they, they have a skateboard and a hoodie and they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And um, I, I know them, they're, 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 they're just amazing young men. But now, and women, and what I'm saying to them now is you have to give back to the community and give them a different message. You're the industrial barons now of the future and you've got to look at how you're going to help our community. And you know what? They all say, yeah, what do we need to do? How exciting is that? Uh, Dan, would you like to end it? Just briefly. We have the same problem in Stratford and Perth County. We have millionaires hiding on concessions disguised as farmers. Uh, (laughs) And and, uh, what we also, though, have found... I'm going to give you an example where collaboration worked. Uh, Of course, uh, you know, we want to have worldwide uh, worldwide impact with regards to our community, but we talk about having worldwide health care. When we were redeveloping our hospital, we wanted to make sure we had all the best equipment within it but then we wanted to link it out to all the family doctor's offices. And we needed to find a way to get through the Wi-Fi network that access to the results of tests that were done at the Stratford Hospital could get to the doctors at their offices and get to their, their tablets and smartphones uh, securely. 
And we took our problem out. We went and got some industry partners in, and we sat down with the hospital, the Ministry of Long-Term Care and Health with regards to the regulations they had around privacy and the doctors, and we came up with a solution through Cisco that allows every doctor to have immediate access to their test results, push to their tablet in their office. No matter where they are, they can be in the hospital. They can find out about Mrs. Smith's x-ray or her blood work. And that's where collaboration came in. And it's going out and finding the experts, sitting down with a common problem and laying out what a solution will be. And we try to do that with many of the challenges we face because we understand that the city will never employ all the experts on the subject matter. We definitely won't have them on council. And we need to find a way to get them into our community to share in the net benefit. And that's why the living lab and the concept of allowing others to share in our success is important for us to move forward. Thank you, and uh, thank you for uh, listening to us today. I'd like to call on Mr. Mark Romoff to provide the appreciation. Thanks, Noble. Boy, am I sorry. I threw out my hoodie and skateboard, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's the only way I can fake people into believing I had some hair. Hoodie and it's good. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to keep my remarks very short. Um, I, what I want to say is that intelligent communities are clearly the foundation for prosperous and globally competitive communities. And if we can't get our act together on this front, we will not be able to make the headway we need to be true players uh, on the world stage. And I think there are some very simple fundamentals that will take us there. And uh, I, I think it's what's clearly obvious today. One, leadership. And you're, uh, you've had the opportunity today to, to listen to two mayors who are at the cutting edge of intelligent community thinking and are truly driving their communities. And that's because there are organizations like uh, the Intelligent Community Forum or iCanada or Waterfront Toronto where the folks that are at the top are driving the agenda. And you heard two mayors here who are indefatigable when it comes to this particular issue. So leadership, first and foremost, number one. Partnership. We can talk about you know, leaders doing what they do, but the, they lead because they know how to take the assets in the community and the people in the community and get them together in the kinds of links that, again, are unbreakable. And if you can structure that properly, boy, as a community, you drive ahead. And so it's absolutely critical to the equation. So leadership and partnership, and finally, entrepreneurship. And you heard it here from these folks. If we don't get smart and innovative and really begin to think about how we're going to take our assets and put them together in a way that, in fact, makes us true entrepreneurs, we're in trouble. And that's where institutions like the University of Waterloo are at the cutting edge of producing young entrepreneurs who just need to get us old guys out of the way because they will drive the agenda for us. So I think the message today is clear. The people we have in this room have done a remarkable job in, in, in pointing us in the right direction. And I would add Brian Boyd to that because the CEO of Terrago, you've come a hell of a long way in a very short time. And again, that's because of leadership and you're at the cutting edge of what's going to make this scenario we talked about today possible. So thank you to all of our speakers. Uh, and as a token of our appreciation, we will be giving each of you a book uh, it's a hundred years of notes, quotes, and anecdotes. Who said that of the Empire Club of Canada? And hopefully you can include that in your libraries. Um, I'd like to just thank all of you for coming. Uh, thank you to Rogers for uh, your ongoing support, to the National Post uh, for being our print media sponsor, uh, to Ernst Cliff Strategy for sponsoring our uh, student table, 
and again to Terrago Networks for sponsoring this event today. Thank you all for coming. This meeting of the Empire Club of Canada is now adjourned.